You know, what gives you more appetite than anything else is when you see the supernatural moving powerfully in the life, someone else or in your life or when, you, when God speaks to you in radical and dramatic ways or, or when you get in the company of the prophets and you start to see, you know, things moving in the prophetic realm or you start to see miracles happen. I tell you, that'll give you more appetite than just about anything else. And I'm just thinking, you know, God, it would have been great if you'd said that to me early in the week. You know, I could have talked about that rather than just like this morning. Uh, and it made me think about um, years ago we were living in Toowoomba and I was looking at, uh, there was an opportunity for us to, to go and take, this, take another church somewhere. And there was one, an opportunity up in Cairns. And so I flew up there and uh, as I was just flying and I was really praying, God, is this what we should be doing? Is this the right place? And and uh, just flying in into Cairns like one sunny morning, you know, 11 o'clock or whatever it was, and coming there, and I just saw this beautiful vista. If you've ever flown into Cairns, it's absolutely magnificent. Beautiful vista, and God spoke to me. As clearly as I've ever heard the voice of God. And he just said, nah, not for you. I'm thinking... That would have been great a few weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, God has got a timing when He does things. And so um, what we've got to do is get on board with God's agenda, what He is doing. And uh, we've got to start to be hungry for God. And so I'm going to share some things this morning that you can do uh, to increase that in your life. And it's as much about um, not letting the enemy dull our, the hunger that God puts in our hearts because, you know, the, uh, the Bible says God has put eternity in everyone's heart. It's right there. Oh, you People are born with an inherent desire for God. It's just like this vacuum, this God-shaped vacuum in everyone's heart. It's a desire that only God can fill. But what happens is through the things of life, through the busyness that we get into, through the pressures of life and the offenses that we all suffer in life, and through the, the, the trials that we go through, and through the enemy distracting us and moving us sideways, we often, it can be dulled. We can lose something of what God put in our heart. But I want to talk to you this morning about how to deal with some of those things so that we can get back what God actually put there naturally and natively in our life. So um, when Jesus saw his ministry, Matthew chapter 5, drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his, cl his climbing companions. And this is what he said. And so, um, why have I called this radical Christianity? Number one, because what Jesus said, Jesus' words, cut across much of what you and I grew up with the philosophy and ideas that we grow up with in our family. Jesus' words very often cut across that. That's why it's radical. Not extreme. It's just getting back to the original thinking that God intended for us as humans. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. God says, I don't see things the way you see them. We've got to get back to the way God sees things. So, um, and then it says there, that those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. How's your commitment this morning? Are you committed to following Jesus? 
You know, some people might say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. You know, it's possible to be a, a cultural Christian. That's, uh, well, I grew up in a Christian home and, uh, you know, I, I went to church even, you know, and I learned the Christian lingo. I'll tell you what happens. I, I've often said this, that to become a follower of Jesus, is, there's two things have to happen. One is you've got to make a decision and then you have an experience where God meets you at that point. And so I want to say this morning, friends, when you, when you make that decision and it's a commitment from, in your heart, and you join that with faith and obedience to God, you'll start to see the supernatural. You'll start to see something happen, you know, that's amazing. And God will meet you. And you'll know that you are born again. You'll know that something's different in your life. God is meeting you at that point. That's what we need to see happen in our life. So I want to talk this, more, this morning a little bit more of what Jesus said. I'm going to start with verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, His food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Having an appetite for God, a hunger for God. Someone, another translation said, hunger for God. So how's your appetite for God? How's your appetite for God this morning? You know, in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, um, there's a lot of talk about uh, people seeking God. You know, God said through, his, through the prophets, the people that wrote these books, uh, you know, seek me. Seek. God was always talking to people about seeking Him, seeking God, as if there was this kind of this separation. Like, so God is over there and I'm here and I've got to seek God. I've got to go after God. Like in um, Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, you know, God says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Search for me with all your heart, God says. In Isaiah 55, it says, Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him while He is near. And there are even some people, even some of God's people, who, who actually didn't want to seek God. They, they actually ran the other way. Like you've heard, the, heard about the prophet Jonah. Maybe he, God said to him, God spoke to him and said, I want you to go over and talk to these people over here about me, about, about God. But Jonah didn't want to do that, so he ran the other way as far as he could to get away from God. Actually, he wanted to get away from God. Of course, it was impossible, but that's, that's what he thought at that time. So, you know, there was this kind of separation that, that is uh, obvious when you read the Old Testament of the Bible. And so it was possible to close that gap, but the instances of people who were doing it, who were getting really close to God, were actually few and far between. There were very few people in reality in the, in the Old Testament of the Bible. So there was always glimpses of God's ultimate plan of what God really wanted to do. Like in the prophet Joel said this, said Joel speaking about the last days. He said, after doing all those things, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. So God said, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. It won't just be isolated cases. It won't be just something that happens occasionally. But all people will have the opportunity to receive God into their heart and to become full of Him, full of His spirit. And then when Jesus came along, Jesus, who is the living word and knows everything about the heartbeat of God, and knows what God's plan is that ultimately, God's ultimate plan is to live with us. 
He wants us to be so close to Him. Jesus said, He goes straight to the heart of it. In John 14, verse 17, He says, He says to His followers, His immediate followers, The world can't receive the Holy Spirit because it isn't looking for Him and wouldn't even recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you right now and later will be in you. So God's got a plan to be in you. And if you know Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus right now, He's in you right now. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is living within you right now. So here's my question. Here's my question this morning. If God is really that close to us right now, now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out, if God is with us right now, do we still need to seek Him? Do we still need to go after God? If He's right there with you right now, do we still need to do that? I'm glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Because the answer is, yes, you do. But with a different approach, with a different mindset around this. And I'm going to talk this morning about some things that I believe will help us. uh, Because I think we need to set priorities in our life. I think we need to deal with distractions in our life. And I think we need to establish and embrace spiritual disciplines in our life. All of these things which are going to help to maintain our focus on God and maintain our heart towards Him. The reason is, the reason why we need to do this, friends, is because your heart, which is the center of your affections, it's the very bottom line of what you desire in your life. I'm not talking about that physical object that sits inside your chest and beats a few thousand times a day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the very center of your affections and your emotions and desires. The thing that's at the core of what you really want it's like liable to be led astray and it gets distracted all the time and we need to keep our focus on God. That's why I want to share with you this morning about this. Number one, setting priorities in our life. And here's the question, what, what moves you? What, what's driving you? What moves you in your life? What's the thing that's most important to you in your life? And, and like I want to ask this morning, friends, why are our... Why are our values as Christians and as people so often out of whack with God's values, out of alignment with what we know God wants and God's kingdom values? I believe the reason for that is because we don't understand eternity. We either don't believe or don't accept the fact that one day this life as we know it will come to an end. I'm not sure if you've ever thought about that. But the Bible is really clear that what you've got right now, your whole world and your whole life right now is going to come to an end at some point. And when we think about eternity and spending eternity with God in heaven, we need to understand that it's not only different in the nature of it, it's completely different, but also the scale of it. Because we think about our life, we think about, you know, the Bible says, well, 70 years you know, that's sort of the scale of your life, and you might live a lot longer than that. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> um, but uh, eternity just goes on forever. And I remember a, an illustration, um, a guy called Bill Hybels, who was at one stage the pastor of, of America's largest church. And he told this, he gave this illustration. He said, he said imagine... He's talking to a big crowd of people. He says, imagine there's a big steel cable, a big thick steel cable stretched right across through a hole in the wall over there and a hole in the wall over there. Or put a hole in the window, maybe. It might be easier. 
and goes out there and it goes out as far as it can go. You, you never see the end of it. It just goes forever. And out this way, it goes forever and ever. This massive steel cable. And then he gets a little, little marker, little pen. And right in front of him, he puts this little scratch on it, little mark on the cable. Okay. And he said, that's your life. The width of that scratch is your life compared to eternity. And so all of us right now, we're living on the scratch. We're living in the little bit right now that we think is so long. You think it takes forever to get to the weekend. You think that when you were a kid back in the old days was forever ago. But actually, it's just such a tiny, tiny bit compared to eternity, compared to what God's plans are. So we've got to get an understanding of eternity and lift ourselves out of our small-minded thinking about life. Because, friends, you can wait another day, you can wait another year or 10 years. It just doesn't matter compared to eternity. That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Make that the number one priority of your life because it's so important we do that. I remember years ago we were living up in Atherton and uh, in far north Queensland. And I, I, was, uh, I just knew that it's the call of God on my life. And uh, I'd enrolled in a, a Bible college to do external studies. And so, uh, but I was working as, as full-time as an electrical contractor. And I used to get up about 3.30 in the morning and study for a few hours. So it was the only time of the day I could get to do it for a few hours and then get changed and then, and then go out to work all day and come back. And then, I'd, then we would often go out to meetings at night. We were actually, apart from the, we were planting this church in Atherton. I wasn't the senior pastor, but we were planting this church. And then in, in three other towns around about, we were also conducting meetings, some of them about an hour's drive away. So we, most nights of the week, we were doing something. Uh, Jeff and Pam would probably nod knowingly about this. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so we would, we'd, and I, I just think about, that's because... Now, I'm not saying that that's normal or, or that everybody should be doing this. Don't think I'm having a go at you. But uh, uh, I don't think I could sustain that right now, that sort of thing. But um, sometimes we've got to set priorities in our life and establish what we're really going to do. But anyway, at that time, during that season, God spoke to me really clearly out of John chapter 6, John's gospel, chapter 6. And it was the day after um, Jesus had fed the 5,000. We'll just put that scripture back in a minute. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, it was the day after Jesus had fed the 5,000. We know there were 5,000 people because it says that there were 5,000 men. There could easily have been two or three times that many people there as well. And so this amazing miracle happened. Now Jesus took a very small amount of food and broke, blessed it and broke it and fed this huge crowd of people. It was amazing. Then at the end of that, he, he walked up, went up on his own up the, up the mountainside and the disciples, uh, they were near a lake. So they went down and got near the, they were waiting beside the boat and Jesus never came back. So what are we going to do? They went across the lake to the other side, which was probably always what they intended to do. Anyway, in the, in, as, as you know, if you've read this passage, uh, this violent storm came up in the middle of the night. They're rowing like crazy, trying to get to the other side. And the wind is blowing and the, the boat's being swamped. And Jesus comes walking to them on the water. It's an even greater miracle. He's defying the forces of nature. 
And he gets into the boat and it says immediately they were at their destination, at the little town called Capernaum on the other side of the lake. It was a phenomenal thing that happened. So anyway, um, the very next morning, all those people that were fed uh, by this miracle of the loaves and fishes, and so they're saying, well, where's Jesus? We, we, we wanna, we, we're hungry again. Where's Jesus? They, they eventually found him across the lake at Capernaum. And then this is what Jesus said to them. If we can read this in John chapter 6. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. In other words, you haven't really got a spiritual hunger here. You're just, your belly is hungry. You're after breakfast and you think I'm going to feed you. So, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Speaking of himself, for God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. And God really spoke to me out of that scripture and said, you've got to focus your life on things of eternity, on things that have eternal value and not be so focused on the natural things around, which we're all prone to do that. We're all prone to get caught up in that. And I just simply say this morning, folks, to go forward as a believer in following God, we have to look seriously at the priorities of our life. We have to look. Now, that doesn't mean to say you spend your whole life, you know, in church doing church stuff. And, you know, I know, I know how easy it is to get so busy doing that as well. We're going to come to that in a moment. So second thing is dealing with distractions. And, um, you know, there's so many things that you can fill your life with today. So many good things. A lot of good things and some that aren't so good, obviously, as well. But, friends, any good thing can become a distraction to you from, from God's plan for your life, from God's purpose for your life. And the devil is a master of distraction. He is a master at putting things in your way to dull the edge of your hunger for God and to move you aside sideways so you can't see God's plan for your life. So you get caught up in other things and you don't end up doing God's plan for your life. And I, I was thinking of giving a list of potential distractions this morning. I was going to write my own list, probably for my own life. And then, but then I thought, no, no, I'd rather let Jesus do that for us. I think he's got a better handle. So let's read this passage in Luke chapter 14, verse 16, this story that Jesus told about distractions. So Jesus replied, A certain man prepared a great banquet and invited many guests. And when it was time for the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But one after another, they began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field. I need to go and see it. Please excuse me. Now, presumably, he checked out the field before he bought it, presumably, but he just wanted to go and check out the field. The next one says, another said, I bought a f five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I've married a wife, so I cannot come. Well, now he's starting to get pretty personal. <laughs> you know. But so he said, I've bought a field. That sounds like possessions. I got five yoke of oxen. That sounds like work. I married a wife. That sounds like relationships. They're the things that can become distractions for us. Any of those things. Possessions, work, relationships. Now that can be applied differently in all of our lives. But the servant returned and reported all this to, to his master. 
Then the owner of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the city. And I love this because what it shows the urgency that there is for the message of the gospel. The good news about Jesus, there is an urgency about it. Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. It also shows that God is not interested necessarily in our social class or what we might think of ourselves. And I'm personally not that interested in building a nice, comfortable, middle-class church. You could do that. Sir, the servant replied, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. So the master told his servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Now, it's interesting. They'd already brought the poor, the blind, the crippled and the lame in. And now he's saying, go out to the When you study those words, um, it actually means the homeless, like the hopeless. And the lost, those have just got nothing. Go out and get them. And compel them to come in so that my house will be full. That's pretty strong language, eh? Compel them to come in. For I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will taste my banquet. So there's a lot of things that can be a distraction for us, folks. A whole lot of things. But even, even doing work for God... You know, this is something that pastors have to really wrestle with because you can get caught up doing the work of God that you fail to spend time with God. It's so easy to do that, to be like that. And, um, you know, look, doing things for God can become an, an end in itself or a, a driving force in, in someone's life. And I, I don't ever want that to be the case for any of us here because we need to be able to slow down to spend time with God, to spend time with God. We need to do that. So important. Here's the thing, friends. The ultimate end of human satisfaction is not work or pleasure or food and drink or procreation or power or owning things. The ultimate end that will most satisfy you in your life is being consumed with God Himself. The Bible teaches that. That God is the ultimate end of humanity. The one, you and I, that He created. To be with Him to be with in His presence. That's why it says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, you know, behold, the, the dwelling place of God is right now with people. And, and God, He will be with them. He will be their God and they, they will be His people. That's what God is looking for. That's, what, that's the target that God is shooting for. That's what will ultimately will happen. And uh, I just love that thought. So God Himself, Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to Him. So that's what we want to be satisfied with, God's presence. See how good God is. Don't worry about McDonald's. I mean, yeah, it's, maybe there's a time. There's a time for that. But, but God is good. Taste and see that God is good. That's what you want to set your focus on in your life. Last point, embracing spiritual disciplines 
uh, is also important. I believe because spiritual disciplines, now I'm talking about praying here, reading God's Word, establishing order in your life and, uh, you know, uh, priorities and and disciplines in the way you approach your uh, relationship with God. Fasting can also be a part of that. Spiritual disciplines ensure that our inner world, what's happening on the inside, is growing proportionately to what's happening on the outside of your life, in your world. See, there are some people who, are, who look pretty good on the outside. When you look at them, you look at their life and you say, man, that person is pretty successful or that person has got their whole life together. You might say, everything's going well for that person. But if you really knew what was happening on the inside, it might be a different story. So what God is interested in is the inside of our life. What's happening in your thought life? What's happening in your desires? What's the thing that really moves you on the inside of your life? There are some people who want public recognition but aren't willing to embrace personal disciplines in their private world. And I want to say, friends, that's a good place to start, spiritual discipline. So... um, in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be talking in the, in the coming weeks, starting on the 29th of November, about, of October, sorry, about praying, fasting, and giving. These are spiritual disciplines that we practice as, as followers of Jesus. Um, you know, when we think about military service and being in the military, and uh, it's, it's a good thing to do. Uh, I guess as a, as a young person growing up, I always thought, oh, I'd never want to be in the Army. I'd never want to be in the Air Force or the Navy or anything like that. But now that uh, a number of our children and grandchildren have been in cadets and different areas of military involvement, I, I see, I said, what a, what a wonderful thing that is. Part of the reason why it's so wonderful is because this amazing discipline comes along with it and uh, emphasis on fitness, being fit. And that's, that's a really good thing, uh, discipline and fitness. And um, it's the same spiritually as well. If you read the, the, the uh, letters of Paul, he talks about spiritual fitness, being able to be uh, well-prepared and well-trained in those areas. So, um, you know, we talk a lot about here at Livestream about God's grace. And that means what God has done for you, what God has done for me. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And it's a, it's a really a major focus for us here at Livestream. But I want you to know that uh, we still need spiritual disciplines in our life because that disciplines are about dealing with my human nature, the things that I want to do. You know, I, I, it's very easy to say, well, I want what I want. I want to do what I want. And, and here's the question. When am I going to put that aside and start to say, I want what you want, God. I want what you want. We've got to come to that point. You know what? Jesus, even Jesus had to do that. In the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, just before he went to the cross, he said, Father, if there was another way out of doing this, I would probably take it. But I don't want that. I want what you want. I want what you want. So every one of us has to come to that same point. God, I want what you want for my life. Discipline, spiritual discipline says, I'm serious about ordering my private world. I'm serious about setting boundaries on my time to ensure that what's happening in my private world is growing 
proportionately with my outside world. I love this psalm. Uh, coming to a close, I'll ask our creative team if they can come back, please. And, and uh, Psalm 139, verse 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love that because it's just saying, God, I want you to search me. I want you to look on the inside. He already sees that, of course. It's, you know, I, first, I started to read this many years ago when I first read this. God, what's the point? Because you already know everything about me. You already, you already see inside my life. Why do I need to ask the question? You know, search me, oh God, when you already know what's in me. But what he's really saying is, God, I'm, I'm giving my permit, permission, but I want you. I want you to look on the inside of my life and see what's on the inside of my heart. Here's the thing, friends. Unless God is doing something inside your heart, on the inside of your life, there'll never be a greater outward expression or outward manifestation of God's power in your life than what's happening on the inside. If it's not happening in here, it's not going to happen out here. So we'd, we often we'd like to see the supernatural. We want to see, you know, miracles. We want to see God healing someone. We want to see amazing provision of God in various areas of life. But I want to tell you, if it's not happening on the inside of your life, it won't happen on the outside either. And when you see someone that you, that you know has got spiritual authority in their life, you see and know, you need to know, that they are spending a lot of time with God. They're spending time in His presence with God. So how is your appetite for God this morning? What about priorities? Priorities you're setting in your life. Are you, are you setting a priority to put God first in your life? What, what are the things that are potentially distracting you from giving your wholehearted attention to following Him? How's your prayer life? When was the last time you set aside some meaningful time to pray? Say, God, I just need to get away with you and just spend some time just praying. And He's waiting for you. He's waiting in that secret place for you. No one else there, just you and God. He's waiting. He's waiting there, right, right there. And so I want to invite you and encourage you. Let Him come into your heart today. Let Him fill you today. Let the Holy Spirit come and fill you with Himself today. As He's so ready and so willing to do that. Why don't you close your eyes for a moment. Let's just pray as we just take time in these few moments right now.